and I am super excited about this. Uh, before the pandemic, we sat down and I made a, a preaching calendar out. I'm like, okay, these are the things that I feel like God wanting us to touch on this year. And Nehemiah was one of the books of the Bible that we real that I really felt like we needed to dive into. Didn't know that all this was going to happen, and uh, because as a church we go through two books of the Bible a year. That's kind of our goal is to go through two books of the Bible a year. And so last year, year we went through Romans, and what's the other one we went through? <laughs> I don't remember. Judges, thank you. It's been a long year. So, yeah, and Judges, we went through those two books. And so this year, uh, we've been moving through a lot of the books. And it, this pandemic has really shifted a lot of things we did. But Nehemiah was on the calendar. And I've been asking God, when's the time to preach? And when is the time to bring this up? When is the time to dive into this as a church? And he says, now's the time. Because right now, we are lives, everything uh, that we're used to has kind of been wiped out and destroyed and lays in ruins. And if you know anything about the book of Nehemiah, now Nehemiah uh, was a, a man, he was a, he was a cupbearer for the king. And Nehemiah was this man that was responsible for rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He didn't do it himself. He had everybody included. But God called Nehemiah to go and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They had been torn down for, um, for over almost 100 years and they needed to go in and rebuild it because walls signify prosperity in a town. Walls gave safety. If you didn't have walls in a city, you were open to attack. And so the city was without walls. Nehemiah was called up to do something about it. And we're going to dive into this series for the next six weeks. And then also on Wednesday night, guys, at 7 o'clock, I'm going to challenge you. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we have youth here. But we're also going to have an adult Bible study. We're not going to have any kids uh, over there for now. But an adult Bible study at 7 o'clock, we're going to deep dive into the book of Nehemiah together. We're going to have some tables set up. We're going to have some table leaders. And we're just going to talk through the book of Nehemiah because in our lives, there's areas of our lives that are in ruins. <laughs> there's areas of our lives that were once maybe strong and fortified. Now there seems like there's nothing there. The enemy has had his way in our lives. And, and I don't know where that area of your life is. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's just your walk in faith. And man, this year it's really taken a hit. There's been a siege on your life and your walls have been torn down. Your gates are burned and the enemy has free reign into your life in these areas. And so our hope and our prayer that through this series and, and through these six weeks that we get the tools, we get the courage, and we get the motivation to get up, to arise and build. And that's the name of this series, to arise and build. God wants us to be strong. He wants us to, to, to be victorious and to uh, have our lives ordered in such a way that we can go and take ground and that we're not always on the defense. And so I'm super excited about this. So we're going to get into this today about uh, Nehemiah and uh, the series. So if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 1 today. And so if you flip into that, it'll probably be up on the board as well. Now, Nehemiah actually means son of comfort. That's a pretty cool name. Do you know what your name means? Do you? That's cool. Um, sometimes we live up to our names, and sometimes we don't live up to our names. But either way, God has called you to make a difference, and God has called you to do something amazing. 
Nehemiah was called to go, like I said a minute ago in this introduction, to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so we're going to pick this story up in chapter 1, verse 1. And it starts simply with this. In late autumn, hey, that's kind of where we're at. In late autumn, the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was on the fortress, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me. This is Nehemiah, obviously, writing this. With some other men who had just arrived from Judah, I asked them about the Jews who'd returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And then they said to me, things are not going well. Can you say that about your life right now? Things are not going well. When somebody asks you, hey, how's your life going right now? What's going on? How's your job going? What are the, how, how is everything going right now? Are you like, man, things are not going well. What do we do? When our lives are like that, what do we do when things are not going well? We're going to read this first chapter of Nehemiah, and he's going to teach us some things about what to do when we find out that things are not going well. And so Hanani tells his, his, his brethren here, he says, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah, for they are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, Nehemiah knew that the, the, the walls had been torn down. He knew the gates were destroyed. Uh, when the Babylonians came in and, and wiped them out, you know, the walls were taken down. The, the gates were burned. They were in captivity for 70 years with the walls torn down. Nobody inhabited that land. And now the king, Artaxerxes, has allowed these people to come back into Jerusalem and rebuild. And they've been there for 13 years. Ezra came back. I'm just giving you a little brief history lesson. Ezra took some of the exiles back into Jerusalem, back into the, into the promised land to start rebuilding. And he started rebuilding the temple, but the walls were still a mess. The walls were still in ruins. And Nehemiah is like, 13 years they've been there. They haven't rebuilt these walls yet. This is an important thing in the city. Without walls, there's issues. And so he says, the gates have been burned the wall has been torn down, and this is Nehemiah's response. When I heard this, and when your life is going not well, when your life is a mess, when you find out there's ruins in your life that need to be rebuilt, this is what we need to do. He said, I sat down. I sat down. Nehemiah sits down, hearing the news. What's he do? He sits down, and he takes it in. Do you ever sit down and just realize the magnitude and the weight of the situation that you're in? Do you ever think about your life being in ruins, this area of your life, or maybe several areas of your life where the walls are torn down and the gates have been burned and the enemy has run into your life and he's had free reign? Do you think about the weight and the magnitude of what happens if that area never changes, if that ruins remains the way it is if that wall in your life it just remains down and the enemy can have his way and he's already had his way in your life do you sit down and think about it do you take it all in i think it would be good for us to just stop for a moment and realize the mess that we're in realize the magnitude and the consequences of leaving that area in our life in ruins. These people have been back for 13 years. These people had been back 
rebuilding this temple, but their walls were destroyed and torn down. And Nehemiah sits down and he thinks about it. My family lives in Jerusalem. My family is open to attack. My family is defenseless. What am I supposed to do about this? If, we, if this wall is, continues to be torn down, if these gates are still burned and are not rebuilt, then the enemy can come in and wipe out my family and my ancestors. Everything that God was doing to bring them back to Jerusalem would have been wiped out because they had no defense. And the wall was torn down, and it showed that God had actually left them. And so that's why he's saying it was a disgrace. This is a disgrace. The people would look at Jerusalem, this big city that used to be the center of God's kingdom, right? And people would come from miles and miles to see the temple of God and to talk to King Solomon. And it is this beautiful city, this beautiful fortress, and now it's just left in ruins. It's a disgrace. These people, these Israelites are saying, God, you used to inhabit this place, but now it just, it's a disgrace in my life. Our lives can look like this a lot. Once where it was strong and once where it was just a picture-perfect thing of what God was doing in our lives, now there's these areas in our life that are just kind of left in ruins. The enemy has sieged us and has left us where we're at. And so Nehemiah sits down and he thinks about it. What's the consequences of not rebuilding these walls? What's the consequences of leaving these areas in my life in ruins? What's the consequences if your marriage stays the same, if you, if you just allow it to continue to be like it is, if we just see it and say, maybe one day I'll get to it. Maybe one day I'll have that conversation that I need to have with my spouse. Maybe one day we will get, we'll go get counseling. Maybe one day I'll have the courage to go and be reconciled. What would it look like in your finances if you leave that area in ruins, and you're like, man, maybe one day I'll invest. Maybe one day I'll stop splurge buying. <laughs> maybe one day I'll, I'll start putting towards the future. Maybe one day I'll start, I'll start giving more. Maybe one day I'll get my life in order here. I mean, these are all these areas of our life, our health, our, our emotional being, all our relationships, all these areas in our life that, that need walls and that needs gates. Walls keep things out, right? Walls keep bad things out. Gates allow good things in. But also, you can push bad things out with gates. Our lives need walls and our lives need gates. Every area of our life need that. And when those things are taken down and torn down, the enemy can come in and do what he wants to do. That's why we need to grasp the magnitude. We need to sit down like Nehemiah and think about the magnitude of the situation. Let it seep into our souls and let it break us. Once Nehemiah realized the consequences of that, of those walls being torn down and the walls in in Jerusalem being in ruins, he does the next thing. He weeps. He takes it in. He sits down. And then he lets it out. He weeps. He mourns. It says, When I heard this, I sat down and wept. He goes, and in fact, for days I mourned. I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. When your life is in ruins, when there's nothing good going on, when you say, man, things are not going well, the first thing you need to do is sit down, take it in, and then kneel down 
and let it out. He wept, he cried, he prayed, he said, God, how can this be? What are we supposed to do about it? If your heart's not fully engaged in your situation, you will never have the courage to change your situation. A lot of times we just feel bad about the things in our life that are torn down and we never do anything about it. And I'm telling you, feeling bad about something isn't going to change the situation. It's only when we understand the consequences of that situation and we, we let it seep down into who, who we are and really realize what's going to happen if this doesn't change that we're able to say, okay, I need to get engaged in this. My attitude, my heart, everything about me needs to change the situation. And until the pain, until the pain in your heart until the pain of the consequences becomes greater than the pain of the rebuilding, you'll never arise and build. So uh, I see it so often with people. They're like, man, I need to change this. Man, my relationship is bad with my spouse. Man, my kids, they're off the rails, and I don't know what to do. And they keep just feeding that problem. They keep, uh, they just feel bad about it, but they never do anything about it. Until the pain becomes greater than the pain that's going to cause to fix the problem, that problem's going to remain. Until the people, come in, the, the, the people come in and invade your territory, until it gets so bad that you can't stand it, then you'll get up and you'll do something about it. You'll start rebuilding those walls because you realize, man, this has to change. This is not good. Often, People have to hit rock bottom before they get back up. The best thing we can do, and this is just advice for anybody, the best thing we can do for people is let them fall sometimes. And that's a hard thing. We don't want to let people fall. We don't want to let people fail. We don't want to let people just give out. But the best thing we can do sometimes is allow the weight of the situation, the full consequence of their life choices, meet them. And they have to face it. And when they face it, the pain becomes so great that they want to change. Too often we pull, the, we pull the weight off people when God's trying to weigh them down so they'll actually do something about the situation. There's a story of a, of a pastor who was mentoring this guy, who was te- teaching this guy, and his son was far from God, and his, far kept, his son kept getting back into drugs and and couldn't get freedom from it, and he told the pastor, and he met with them, and the pastor's like, well, you need to do this. You need to, you need to stop enabling him because this guy was actually giving him money every week to go buy his drugs because he didn't want him to hate him. And the pastor's like, you need to stop giving him money. You need to stop enabling your son to, this, to do this bad behavior. And uh, another, he, he would just continue to do that. He would never listen to the pastor's advice. And and then one day he comes back in and the pastor's talking to him and he's like, have you done the things that I've told you? He's like, no, I just, I'm afraid he's going to not like me and my, my wife. I'm afraid he's going to leave us and he's not going to be there. He's like, I'm telling you, until you stop enabling your son and let him feel the full weight of the situation, stop bailing him out, let him deal with the consequences, then he'll change. And then one day the father finally prayed and heard from God, and he came to the pastor. He said, man, my son's doing so much better. He's like, well, what happened? He goes, well, I stopped enabling him. I stopped giving him, I stopped enabling him to do that thing. And now that son actually serves in the ministry, and he's been free from drugs. He's been free from that thing 
because this father had the courage to let him feel the weight of the situation. Sometimes, a lot of times, it takes us having to feel the weight of everything that's coming down on us to change. And I pray that we take it in before it takes us out and we just think about it. We realize the consequences. We sit down and then it breaks us and it drives us to our knees and we pray and we weep and we say, God, how did this happen? What is my, what is my role in this? Did I cause this problem? Or did somebody else cause this problem? Where did this problem arise? And we have to get on our face to realize where the problem arises. And it doesn't matter. Maybe the situation that you're in right now, it's not your fault. Maybe you have nothing to do with it. Maybe your company just shut down and you can't do anything about that. But maybe you do have a role in it. Maybe it's something that you did. Maybe it's some choices in your life that you made that led you to this moment that allowed the enemy to siege in and tear down your walls and destroy your gates. And now they're laying in ruins. But either way, if it's your fault or not your fault, here you sit with all these ruins, these walls torn down, with the gates torn down. What are you going to do about it? That that, that thing might have happened to you. And you had no control over it, but you have control over what you're going to do with those walls. You have control over what you're going to do with those gates. I pray that we can have the courage to arise and build and to not let the guilt or the shame of the past keep us from moving forward and and rebuilding those walls and those gates in our life. And so this is what Nehemiah does. He feels the weight of the situation. He falls to his knees and he prays this prayer. Oh, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Do you, do you understand? He just said that, God, you are so awesome and great, but he just heard this, noise, his, this, this news that the gates are still down and the walls are still destroyed and things are not good. Can you praise God when things are not good? Can you say, God, you are so good in this moment. You are so great. You are so powerful. Even though my life feels like it's a mess. Nehemiah understood that God needed to be praised, that God is the answer, that the only way to get past our pain and to get past the things that we need to get past and to have the courage to rebuild is to pray and to praise. And so he says, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that I have sinned against you. Wait a minute, Nehemiah. You weren't even there when the Babylonians took it out. You weren't even around when the people were exiled into Babylon. How is this your fault? How did you sin against God? Nehemiah is figuring out and he's realizing that, man, it's my people. I've sinned because I've sat here for 13 years, knowing that they were back, and I'm just now caring about the condition of the walls. He's owning his part. Can you own your part in this situation? Like I said a minute ago, maybe, you didn't, it didn't, maybe it's not all your fault. Maybe it is. But what, what part do you have to own? Nehemiah says, it's my part to go and rebuild. And so he says here, God, help me. I've sinned against you. Yes, my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant, 
Moses. He admits his guilt. He repents. And he says, God, I admit the part that I have to play in this. I'm broken before you, Lord. If you want to rebuild things in your life, you have to be broken before God. You have to be broken in the right way. If you're never broken in the right way, God can never rebuild the things in your life that he wants to rebuild. Sometimes he has to break you in order to rebuild you. Sometimes the things in our life need to be broken. That way he can make it the way he wants it to be. Are you broken for God? Are you broken for the situation? Are you broken in the right way? Broken in the wrong way means you feel guilty and you feel shame and you feel regret and you never move forward and you never rebuild. Broken the right way says, God, I understand my place. I understand the consequences of what's going to happen if this doesn't change. I, I own what I need to own. I repent. And now, God, I've broken before you. Help me to rebuild this the way that it needs to be rebuilt. And then he does this. So he sits down and he takes it in. He kneels down, he prays, and he weeps, and he lets it out. And then he stands up because he remembers God's promises. In verse 8, it says, please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. So he said, this is why the walls are down. This is why Jerusalem's in, 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 in ruins, because our people were idolaters. Like our people sinned against you, God. And you told us if we followed your law, everything would go well. If we, if we disobeyed you and we chased after other gods, then you would scatter us among the nations. And so God scattered them among the nations. He exiled them to Babylon. But here's the promise. But he said, if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. He remembers the promise. He remembers the promise. Maybe he thought back to Jeremiah. We all love that passage, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? We got shirts with it. We got plaques on the wall with it. But that is talking about these people, these exiles that were going to be brought back from Babylonian captivity into this place where God calls them. And in verse 10, maybe he's, Nehemiah is remembering this promise from God that says, this is what the Lord says. You in Babylon, you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but when I will come and, and do for you all the things I promised, all the good things I promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know, here's our favorite verse, the plans I have for you, says the Lord. The plans are for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. But we always leave off the rest. In those days, when you're, when you're captive, when you're brought into captivity for 70 years, in those days, when you pray, when you come back to me, I will listen. Nehemiah, what was his prayer? Oh, God, listen to me. In those days, that's these days. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity. That's happened. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you. I'll bring you home again to your own land. Nehemiah was saying, God, you promised this. We cannot have prosperity. You cannot have restored fortunes until these walls are rebuilt and our people are safe. And so Nehemiah remembers and he prays. He remembers and it gives him strength to get up, to arise, and to build. You know, when you take time to remember the things that God has done, 
You know, when we come in here on Sunday morning and we, we sing praise songs and we worship, what are we doing? We're reminding ourselves of the goodness of God. We're reminding ourselves of the thing that God has done in the past. And what we can do as people of God, the best thing that we can do is remember all that God has done for you. Do you keep a journal at home? Do you ever write down the good things that God does in your life? I'm telling you, if you start doing that, it's going to change your whole relationship with God. When you, when you have prayer requests, you write those things down. And when God answers those prayers, do you write those down? I'm telling you, I don't know how many times that I've gone back into my journal and I've looked at the things that I prayed for God to answer, and he's answered those prayers. And it helps me remember at that time, man, things are not good right now, but I've seen God work. I've seen God do miracles. I know that God can bring me out of this. And so what do I do in those moments? I sit down and I think about it. I sit down. I I understand the consequences. I feel the weight. And then I kneel down and I pray. I say, God, what? Where, Where do I play in this? God, are you here? And then I remember and I rise up. It allows me to take another step and another breath. I pray that for each and every one of us, we will do that, that we will have the courage to look at our broken walls and our broken areas and to say, God, I'm going to own this part. God, this area is not good. Help me feel the consequences. Help me to realize what's going to happen if these areas of my life remain in ruins. God, help me to feel the weight of it. Let me to know the consequences of it. Give me strength, God, to get on my knees and pray to you and for, ask for forgiveness, God, for those areas that I've allowed the enemy to run full reign in these areas of my life. And God, help me to remember your goodness so that I may rise up and rise up and build again. Verse 10, he says this after he believed. The people rescued you by your great power and strong hand are your servants. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Nehemiah, after he sat down and and thought about it, after he, he, he knelt down and prayed, after he got up and had the courage to rise up, And to be broken in the right way, he prays this. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to go to the king. So what happened when he went to the king? Well, next week, we're going to find out what happened when he went to the king. And we're going to see that God has set up everything that you need to rebuild those walls and to put the gates back up if you just trust in him and you go to the king. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Father God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for the people in this room right now. God, you know the areas of their life that are broken. God, you know the walls that have been destroyed and the the gates that are burnt. God, you know where the enemy has ran in and had his way for far too long. And God, I pray that each and every one of us would have the courage to sit down and to feel the weight of the situation, to take it all in. And Lord, let that drive us to be broken God, to kneel down and to pray and to seek your face, God, and to know that you are full of unfailing love, God, that we have sinned against you. God, let us repent and turn back to you, and let us remember, Father. Let us remember your goodness. Let us remember that you have a plan for us. It's a good plan. 
It's a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. It's a plan to bring us back home to you in your presence. And Father God, I pray right now, God, that you would give us the strength to rise up and to build. In Jesus' name, amen.